Amen and good morning. Glad you guys are here. Glad I am here. Where'd my two little babies go? I saw Chloe Mercy this morning dancing around. That was fantastic. So exciting when they're joining us. Uh, all right, let's shout out together. What do we do? We love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God and I love you. And we only do that as a true reflection of our heart, right? We're not just saying these things to say them. Uh, hopefully, prayerfully, that is true about you as well. So we come to our last week here in sharing the gospel, and we're going to be talking about uh, an important one, sharing the gospel to myself. But before we do that, I just wanted to give you an update. Two weeks ago, I told you about, uh, you know, we were sharing the gospel globally, and I told you about my friend Peter and his vision, and, and uh, I said I would get back to you a little bit on that. Well, a quick update on that. They actually have within those last two weeks, actually purchased the land that they're uh, going to be building on. A donation came in for that, and a donation came in for the, building the uh, missionary uh, center already. And so they're about 40% already funded, and uh, I haven't really asked anyone. And uh, we're not going to take up a church. Normally we do like church donations or collections, that kind of stuff. If you're interested in that and God's been moving your heart or prompting your heart, just see me individually. I do worry a little bit. Sometimes a church asks and asks and asks. I worry about giving fatigue a little bit. And so um, if, if that's a special thing that God's putting on your heart, then just see me individually. But God is already moving powerfully in that uh, so that they're about 40% funded already, which is fantastic. And so today uh, we're going to be talking about uh, our last part is how, how does the gospel affect me uh, individually? Like, what does it mean to share the gospel uh, to other people we've been talking about, but how do I share it to myself? Because I know that I need it. I know that, that uh, if, if I think other people need the gospel, I certainly need it. But how does that affect me as a believer? Because I've already accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. This isn't news to me that God loves me and he died for my sins and he cares for me and that sort of stuff. So how does it affect me on my day-to-day? -day? Why is it important for me to actually engage with the gospel daily? How will it change my reality? Not, not just today at Sunday, but how will it change my tomorrow? And how will the gospel, if I speak it to myself, change my Thursday? And what's the value of God's good news to me? Now the answer to these, this, these questions is critical, especially in light of many personal struggles and often unspoken internal difficulties that, that we as people on this planet have. So this is going to get a little bit serious for a minute. And so... Um, I know I, I don't always try to get overly seriously in the message, but, but there's going to be a little bit serious for just a minute here. Because in real life, we have real struggles. And, and at church, I'm not always sure we're able to express them as well as we'd like to or that we need to. In real life, not always, but in, in different times in our life, we have all sorts of struggles and doubts and difficulties. How many of our young ladies here, you know, maybe college and under, how many of our young ladies struggle with self-esteem? How many have been jealous of a, another girl's life or her beauty or her talents? How many of our young girls have cut themselves or starved themselves or cried themselves to sleep because they thought that they were no good, they weren't pretty enough, or they were unwanted. And how many of our young men have ever felt inadequate or insecure or that they don't possibly measure up or maybe that they don't even belong, hopeless or maybe unloved 
maybe even contemplated suicide or simply sat silent in their own sorrow. And how many of our women struggle with bouts of depression, with massive life insecurity and doubt and then self-isolation and self-disdain, envious of others around them and how great those other moms are and how great those other business women are. And they just struggle silently, heaping internal abuse on themselves. And how many of our men feel inadequate, feel helpless or, or bitter or stuck sometimes or trapped, disappointed in themselves and their lives? And I'd cry, but, I, but I'm not allowed to, so I just get angry. There are some real statistics about this kind of stuff. Some statistics like this, 21% of U.S. adults experienced mental illness in 2020. One in five adults. Six percent of those are considered serious mental illness. But less than half received any treatment. Suicide is the third leading cause of death in the ages 10 to 24. It's the twelfth leading cause of death for all Americans all ages. But 79% of people who die by suicide are male. In 2020, there was a 25% increase in diagnosed cases of anxiety and depression. 49% of Americans report having fewer than three close friends. That's, that marks a nearly two-fold increase from the 90s. And you thought Gen X was the angsty one. 22% <laughs> of people under 40 22% of people under 40 say they have no friends. 25% of all Americans say that they often or always feel lonely. Now, I'm 100% convinced that the only solution to these issues is the gospel. Because the gospel redefines who I am. It rejects comparison. It brings light and hope. It speaks truth. And it's no coincidence that the exact problems that we face internally are rooted in the work of the enemy. See what Jesus says about the work of the enemy. Here's what Jesus says as recorded in John 10. Jesus says the thief or the enemy or Satan, he comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Satan always does the opposite of the gospel. He steals. He steals joy. He steals your freedom. And he steals the truth and replaces it with a lie. He kills your self-esteem. He'll kill your passion. He'll kill your self-worth. He destroys people's souls, their identities, and their perceived value. Internal death. And the solution is Jesus who brings life and life to the full. Now I want to spend a little bit of time talking about our inner self because I think this will help bring clarity for why we might not have value or feel like we always have value. Where does, where does our uh, value for our inner self come from? Where does my value as an individual, where, where does it, how do I arrive at that? And in the world there are two uh, there's two views of this. There's two ways that we receive value in the world. And the first is called a traditional model. 
And this is one that probably our older folks, or maybe your parents if you're a little bit younger, they, they often find themselves following this model. It's called an external, uh, traditional model. And, and what they find is that external value, uh, internal value is found by, an, uh, found by an external measure. And so in the traditional view is I find my value based on measures that are outside of myself. For example, if I can uh, do better at work and I can move up the corporate ladder, then I feel better about myself. That's an external value, right? Uh, if I can get a, a nicer house, then I will feel better about myself because I'm moving up in the world. If I can, if I can get to church on time every single week, even for Christians, then, then I feel better about myself. My value has increased. If I've studied my Bible and I can tell my, my even small group that, yep, every day I pray and, I, and, and, I, and it becomes this legalism thing because why? Because that's this external value. I can measure it by, by this external standard. And, and this, so, so for older folks, their job or their home, good education, they're all measures of their value, and they're all external. So their sense of personal value is greater the more successful they are at these external matrices. So living up to those standards then provides that individual with value and significance. And this will make sense why maybe your parents worked so hard or why it was so important that they looked good in front of their friend because they were measuring their internal value by this external standard. Why was it so important for you to go to a good college? Because that was an external measure. The better college you could go to, the better they feel about themselves. You see, their value is tied to these external measures. And uh, most of our parents probably navigated under that concept. And some of us who are older uh, also probably navigate that way. That's why working hard and providing your family and those kind of other measures gives my value or worth. So that, that's one model, the traditional model. The second model is called the, the modern model, and, and uh, this is mainly held by younger folks. And, and that says that, that my internal value is based not on an external matrix, but rather solely on an internal one. And that internal one is subjective based on what each individual person thinks and feels. So being your authentic self, for example, is now considered someone who has high self-worth. Or living out your truth. Now that, that's the pinnacle of life in, in modern valued person. Now this is really moral relativism taken to this deep level of identity. Society is expected then to adjust to your subjective standards. Otherwise, personal validation is negated by disagreement. This is why tolerance has been totally turned on its head, because in this view, it's not possible to tolerate someone and reject their view, because remember, their view of themselves is who they are. Their view of themselves is their value. And so if you say, well, well I disagree with how you think, then you're actually disagreeing with their value or the person, and you're rejecting them. So there's this person's sense of worth and their views are one and the same. Now this is an incredibly fragile and tenuous situation. As we know, internal feelings and opinions are quite fickle and by their very nature are unstable. And so on hearing these two views, you may begin to realize why there's so much hostility towards the Christian message in our culture today. And you can see why both groups might be bothered by the Christian message or think that Christianity is the enemy. Modern people are in bondage to the impossible and crushing task of validating, validating their own value. 
and traditional folks to reaching an unreachable standard. Because if you got to this college, why didn't you get to this next college? That's why when you got A's, why didn't you get A pluses? An impossible external standard. And when the Bible tells us that we're all sinners who cannot save ourselves, this is an offense to the modern person. And the Bible tells us that we need to be reconciled to a perfect God and be perfect to get into heaven. That's an offense to the traditional person. It's an impossible external standard which, which also shatters every attempt at personal validation. And so no wonder the gospel sounds initially offensive to those who view their worth this way. But neither the traditional or modern views will provide lasting self-worth. In both models, we can't possibly measure up. And we'll never feel secure in either model. So let me remind us of the third option. Our self-worth and our identity are based on the gospel. It tells us that there is an external standard that we can't possibly measure up to. That is true. It's God's standard. But... But our value isn't in our ability to measure up. It's in God's unconditional love. His standard has been met in Jesus, and I get to just receive the righteousness that Jesus has achieved. So Jesus has reached the pinnacle of external success, and I get to partake in that because of the gospel. Jesus says, I will impute my righteousness to you. I will give you my righteousness, one that you can't earn on your own. But the gospel also tells me that I am loved no matter how I feel internally. God sees me as perfect and beautiful no, no matter how I see myself. And my worth is based on His firm, consistent love, not based on my own cons consistently changing internal feelings. In the gospel, we, we don't have to strive to find validation from other sources, outside or inside. We find our value in God and God alone. So we started this message a little bit dark. But now it's the light's turn. Here's what God says that you have and what God says you become when you find yourself in Christ. This is the gospel to myself. And, and this next part is just going to, be, it's going to be a big part of our sermon right here. It's going to be a, a bunch of verses coming at you, and I'm not going to explain them because it's not about what I'm going to say to you. It's about what God wants to say to you. It's going to be me getting out of the way and you receiving from God what He says about you. So I want to invite you to open your heart and receive what God says about you. And I'm going to give you permission. If there's one that hits... It's okay to say, yep, that's me. It's okay to say, mm-hmm, or amen, or clap, or like, ah, oh, or whatever you need to see. I'm going to give you permission. We're not normally a, a talkback sort of that kind of church, but, but just today, I'm going to give you permission if that's what you need to do. As you receive God's word to you, this is nothing that I think about you. I, I like you, and I think you guys are nice, but that doesn't really matter. <laughs> I'm not a high external standard, and I'm not your internal standard, so my voice doesn't really carry a lot of weight. But this is what God says about you. And I'd like you to hear what God says you have and who God says you are. So in the gospel, God declares that you have these things. In Ephesians, it says, In Him we have redemption through His blood. We have the forgiveness of sins. 
and according with the riches of, his God, of God's grace. And then in Romans it says, therefore we have, we have been justified through faith. And then we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is something you already have the moment you find yourself in the gospel believing in Jesus. In Romans 8 it says, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. We have freedom in Jesus. In Philippians 3.20 it says, but our citizenship is in heaven as we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus. We have a new citizenship. In Ephesians 2.6, And God raised us up with Christ, and He seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We have a new position. It's a guaranteed one. This is God telling you, you have these things the moment you say yes to Jesus. This is true about you right here. In Psalm 139, it says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your words are wonderful. I know them full well. This is God speaking to you. You have His full and whole validation. He made you and loved you. In the Gospel, God declares that you become some things. In 2 Corinthians it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they become a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. In Romans 6 it says, For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body ruled by sin could be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. I have become a free person. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. In Jesus we become the righteousness of God. We don't earn it. We don't live up to it. We become it. In Ephesians 2, it says, For we are God's handiwork. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In 1 Peter 2, it says, You have become or you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession that you could declare the praises of Him who called you out of the darkness into His wonderful light. In Colossians 3, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, you're holy and you're dearly loved. Clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and a couple of other things. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We have become ambassadors as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And John 1, 2, Yet all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, he, be, he gave the right to become children of God. And in John 15, I no longer call you servants, because a servant doesn't know his master's business, and said, I called you friends. You have become my friends. For everything that I, I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. And in Romans 8, No, all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And in Matthew, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. You have become the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Now at some point, I was looking up verses, and, and this is about half of what I had, and I stopped looking up verses. 
I had to cut some of them because this will be 25 minutes of just verse talking to you. Because there are so many verses in the Bible about who you are and what you have become and, and through the gospel what God has given you. What you get to receive and let to be your reality. Soak those in. Like, like allow them to penetrate. And to top it off, he's not finished growing you yet. He's not done with you. In Philippians it says, I'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion all the way to the day of Christ Jesus. So, so I'm just getting started in you, God says. So sharing the gospel to myself is critical. These verses are the good news. You're not trash and you're not forgotten. You're not mediocre or unwanted. You're not whatever negative thought that the enemy has told you. Those just aren't true. The enemy lies. That's his number one language. But I, I believe it so often. <laughs> I know the enemy's going to lie. And when he does, I often believe it. Which is why we've got to continually share the gospel to ourselves. Not just once, but sometimes like once an hour. Or, or maybe once a minute or whatever frequency that you find the lies coming at you internally. So when you hear that voice that says, you're no good, or, or man, your life sucks, or you're not as good as this person, or you don't measure up, when you hear that voice, that's not God's voice, that's not your own voice, that's the enemy's voice. And you've got to reject that by replacing it with God's truth. You see, lies are always best combated by the truth. And so open your Bible and say, God, who am I in you? And you'll start to find verse after verse after verse. God's truth, we got to get it through our thick skulls, right? Like We just read like 25 verses. God's saying who you are. you got to get it through our skulls. But, but here's the crux of the issue. I think our skulls got it. I think we understand this. I think we mentally assent to the truth. I think that you would agree that the Bible says that about you. All those verses, you would I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. I hear the Bible saying that. I understand it. So it's not our mind that has a problem. What happens? Our mind says yes, and then there's a blockage between our mind and our heart. And so though our mind says this is true, I know this is the truth of God, I know, I know this is true about me, but somehow I still feel this other way. Sometimes I, I, I feel this darkness or I feel this depression or I feel this sadness or I feel this loneliness because we've allowed Satan to put like a, whoop, a little block between what our head knows and what our heart allows. And so we've got to say, God, I need your help to allow your truth to penetrate not my mind because that's not probably the problem. Unless this was brand new news for you, the problem wasn't that your mind didn't understand it. The problem is that you didn't allow it to penetrate into your heart. You say, well, I hear God saying that. But I know what's really true inside. But how, how either arrogant or dumb is that for you to tell God that you know his business better than him? To say, God says you're valuable, and you say, no, I'm not. So either you're calling God a liar or you're calling God dumb, and both are bad situations, so don't do either of them because he's not a liar and he's not dumb. We navigate this way often, that God says 
this about me, but I feel this other way. So my feeling must be true, but, but that's totally wrong. Feelings suck at the truth. Feelings are notoriously wrong with the truth. Think about it. You felt that your fashion choices were looking good when you were in high school, right? Wrong. They weren't. You feel you look totally cool. You didn't. You felt like you would die when you were a kid if you didn't have that new toy. Wrong. You're still alive. You made it. You felt like you would never find love once that girl in fifth grade broke your heart. That's not true. That feeling was not true. You felt like you should be a veterinarian, astronaut, policeman, unicorn trainer when you were seven years old. But you were mistaken. <laughs> Your feeling was not correct. See, our feelings are the worst place to find truth in. They, they, they lie all the time. They are wrong all the time. And so don't trust your feelings. Trust the word of God, what he says about you. And yet, our feelings are the primary place that we find our worth. We, we think we're not valuable because we don't feel valuable. That's ridiculous. I wanted to, want to be an astronaut when I was 10. That was ridiculous. My, maybe I could have been a really good astronaut, though. That one was like... It was like, maybe. But our feelings are terrible. So don't allow our feelings to, to give us our worth or to, to give us our view of the world or ourselves. Just simply stop it. Instead, be filled with God's words and God's truth about yourself. Reject the enemy, his lies. Release the blockage that's, allow, that's keeping the truth of God from going to your heart and allowing you to actually accept it. So I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Did you? Did you mentally assent so that you didn't go to hell about Jesus dying on the cross? Or did you accept the whole gospel where God says to you, you are important to me and I don't care what the people say and I don't care what your own brain says. I will tell you the truth. Did you just accept the salvation part and miss the part where God gave you everything else? Where he gave you your identity. He says you're a new person. You're infinitely loved by me. You will never be alone because I will always be with you. There is nothing on this earth that you can't face that I won't walk with you. I have made you more than a conqueror. When we accept the gospel, it's not just for salvation. It's all the rest of it, too. And I worry that some of us have salvation, and we forgot to let the gospel go to the rest, to redefine who we are to redefine how we navigate, how we view ourselves, no longer reaching for external standards or matrix to make my value internally feel good and no longer reaching inside of myself to try to find my true reality. My reality and my truth is found in God's word, not in my subjective feelings, nor in any man's measured external matrix. Our identity must be rooted in God who says, and what God says about us, not the world, not the enemy, not our parents, not our friends, society, Instagram, Snapchat, or anyone else says we are. His truth must register not only in our heads, but it's got to penetrate into our hearts. That's why I've got to share the gospel to myself every day. 
and sometimes multiple times a day. And so I, I don't know how else to say, but to say the God, God's word to you. God, God loves you. And, and I love you for what that's worth. But will you allow, will you allow you to love you? Will you allow God to actually love you and change you? I want you to take a minute right now and, and let the block down. Like, let the, God, that can't be true about me. I'm not good. I'm not this. Would you just let those down for a second? And would you just receive from God what he says about you? And, and we're going to pause together and go into just a moment of individual prayer. And I'm going to ask that you would allow God's truth to penetrate your heart. And you just heard a ton of verses about who you are and what you've become. That's not what you might become. That's who you literally are right now, the moment you find yourself in Christ. Would you allow that to then go through your brain, which is a great place to start, and then penetrate your heart? Would you remove the block that's not allowing that to seep in? If you're a young girl, remove the block that's telling you that you're not worth it. If you're a young man, Remove that block that says you'll never measure up. If you're an older lady, that you, you haven't succeeded. If you're an older man, that you're a failure. Remove all those blocks and receive the truth that God says about you. And then we're going to worship Him.